Welcome, folks. Well done. You've tuned in to the Cameron Mason episode of Sigma Sports Presents Matt Stevens Unplugged, and you're in for a treat. Now, what can I tell you about Cameron? He's a very young man, but he's also a very wise man, as you'll soon learn. He's a cross racer and a mountain biker, and lately he's been really ripping up the cyclocross scene, and with the world's coming up, we chat a bit about his hopes for that. He's got a cat called Loki, but stay tuned to find out if that's got anything to do with the Marvel Universe or everything to do with the Scottish name Lachlan. He lives in Linlithgow, which kind of reminds me of John Lithgow for some reason. This is a remarkable chat with a remarkable chap. So kick off your muddy shoes, grab a flannel and wipe the muck off your face, sit back, relax and enjoy the pod. You know it's that time again, Podcast. Cameron Mason is a special talent. The Trinity Racing Rider has been one to watch in the junior ranks of cyclocross for quite a while, and recently he won his first under-23 World Cup race in Dendermonde, Belgium, and is also the freshly minted under-23 British cyclocross national champion. And with the UCI Cyclocross World Championships just around the corner, I was keen to chat with Cameron about his preparation and hopes for that race in Fayetteville, Arkansas. But I was even more keen to find out if he had any concerns about the potentially low value of stock loaded into a poundland lorry at any given time. Check it out. Um, Cameron Mason, welcome to Matt Stevens Unplugs and thanks for coming. Oh, no, thank you for having me on. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to a bit of anatomy. But just to, in people, a lot of people don't know um, how these pods, well, they, they do know how the pods work because they're very common and it's just using a piece of software on the internet. But what they don't know is that the guests on Matt Stevens Unplugged go into a little cheeky green room and then they come out of that. We have a brief chat, then we come on air. Um, but I was talking about Poundland lorries to my producer, Niall. And do you ever think this, Cameron, when you're traveling around the UK in a car uh, or in a van, whatever, and you overtake a Poundland lorry or a, or a lorry containing low-value goods, do you think, wow, that, there can't be actually a lot of monetary value on that lorry? And then do you start to worry about the logistics and how they, have a, how they sort of um, – the, the kind of business margins and stuff? Do, do you worry about that sort of stuff, Cameron? Um, I think – well, definitely when I'm in Belgium and I see the amount of freight and stuff, I realise how much – how just crazy logistics are, but now you put it in in uh, in terms of Poundland, then yeah, I can't imagine there's much uh, there's much money in those vans, eh? Uh, the, yeah, then just an extension of that before we get properly on with uh, other <laughs> other stuff. I always worry um, the transportation of beach balls if they were like blown up. Can you imagine how few you'd get in a lorry? And can you imagine if there were businesses that actually blew them up and then and then sort of carried them across there? So that well, that worries me. I worry that some people, yeah. that, that they blow up balls or footballs. Although or- I heard that apparently, you know, like Australian wines and stuff, they, they the, the wine obviously comes from Australia, but it goes on ships in massive plastic bags, like oh. huge, like, like basically it's a container full yeah. of just one big plastic bag because if it was bottled in Australia, it would cost ridiculous amounts of money to bring it over so it actually gets bottled like closer to where it's being sold so there you go that's my knowledge of uh logistics there that's a that's a really good uh, that's i didn't know that but it makes a lot of business sense yeah. doesn't it I mean, you've definitely got a future sort of maybe in like logistics or something but in the future when, when you're cycling uh, games over mate yeah well cameron seriously mate it's really good of you to to jump on the pod um you've been exceptionally busy over the last uh, few days um months in, indeed 
midway through or coming towards the end of the cyclocross season. But before we do uh, press on, can you just describe um, exactly where you are in in the place that you are, and also where in the world you are right now, just to our, for our, so our listeners can set the scene, as it were. Uh, I'm in my living room at the moment. Uh, my cat Lockie is on the windowsill. He's just having a big stretch, so he might uh, come and sit in my lap. That would be perfect. But um, I'm in Scotland, my home uh, near Edinburgh, Linlithgow, a little town yep. called Linlithgow, um, in the Bathgate Alps, as we call them. And yeah, I'm, I'm back here for training at the moment. So I've just come off the back of quite a big racing block. And now I'm in uh, the process of getting ready for my world champs, which are in oh, two and a half weeks now. So yeah. it's coming around really, really quickly, isn't it? Oh, just a yeah. quick one on your cat. Who named it? Because clearly there's some, somebody's a Marvel fan in the house. Well, the name is not really connected to Marvel. It's more connected to Lachlan, as in the Scottish ah. name, Lockie. Ah. Um, so okay. yeah, it's more like Lockie, as in Lachlan. Um, but it actually works well because it's yeah it's he's he's quite mischievous. I think Loki is the Greek name for the god of mis- uh, mischief. So that's um, right. He yeah, is indeed. He, and, he is a little mischievous cat. So has he got an, another cat or a dog sort of brother, half brother uh, called called Thor or anything? No, like that? no, 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 no. I think maybe if we go yeah get more pets, then we can maybe go down the Marvel route. But at the moment, it's just Loki. Just Loki on his own. Fair, fair enough, me. And on what day are you on today? Because I was. I've been doing some Cameron Mason deep diving over the last mm-hmm. couple of days. Watched a few of your YouTubes um, uh, earlier on. And yeah, a couple, there's a couple of your vids I really like, like Day in the Life. I was, I was really mm-hmm. intrigued because it takes me back to when I was a kid, but we didn't have, we couldn't tell people about our days, days <laughs> in the life. We just wrote it in a diary. But um, so what day are you on now? Because you obviously had time to come onto the pod. So are you on like a, an easy day, a tapery day? Uh, it's a training day. Uh, yesterday I had a good session on the bike. Today I did three hours with my coach, uh, James McCallum, who I'm sure you've uh, heard of. Yes, uh, yeah. The, the British crit racer. And yeah, so it was good. We had a good catch up of the last, of the last kind of, yeah, chat about, chat about the last block of racing and then what's to come. So it was a more kind of, yeah, general endurance ride where you can just chat and, uh, and yeah, easy conversation. So no, it was a good day so far. And um, I had the pleasure, um, I really enjoyed it actually, I was commentating with Simon Burney um, over the weekend on Sunday of the four cyclocross races on that day. And um, obviously you finished second in the elites, what a battle that was. And then under 23 national champion, I know you're not super, super happy, you wanted to win the elites, but what an exciting race and what a great advert. All the races were brilliant, but your your battle um, was was amazing. I mean, what was it like? I mean, it looked super intense. Yeah, I mean, firstly, yeah, I watched the race back on Monday, and uh, thank you for your comments on the comment on the commentary. It was, oh, uh, it, it did make it. It was, yeah, exciting in the race. It didn't feel exciting. It felt like an absolute slog. It was just like, <laughs> it, uh, it was, yeah, watching it back, going, oh, this is a massive spectacle. Look at us, we're like knocking lumps out of each other, but we were literally just trying to get to the finish. It was such a battle, yeah. and it was kind of maybe that was just from my point of view, but I wasn't really thinking about Thomas and I don't know if he was really thinking about me, you know, we were just really like trying to ride the course. Yeah. And then that just, the, it just, it was just impressive though, how evenly we were matched on a course like that, because that shouldn't have happened. Like that wasn't the normal kind of running of the day um, for it to, yeah. Like there were points I was riding in the wheel yeah. at my absolute limit. And I've been right. Like I, I shouldn't be able to ride on this wheel like this. And then, 
I would go to like make a move or go to the front and I'd be going my absolute hardest and he would still be there and there just wouldn't, I just wasn't able to make a separation. So that was kind of the, the story of my day was that I just I couldn't make a break and, and, and neither really could Thomas. It took a, yeah. a small little mistake from me to, to get that gap. But um, yeah, I think it took an hour or so to get over it, to realize that I did a good race. It was what it was. And uh on a course like that to be so close to and to be in contention with one lap to go for the win um yeah it, it was what it was i think that there's there's two things at play here isn't there there's you know your desire well more than multiple things in play but your, your desire to win and 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 the sporting aspect and your disappointment and the way you rationalize that but the flip side of a sport like cyclocrosser and there was a pretty decent considering um the situation with COVID and stuff like that, people's reticence to go out a little bit, I guess, but there was actually a pretty big crowd and there was a lot of people oh. watching on YouTube. Um, but it was three, it was entertaining. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you, you are in part responsible um, for, for inspiring people and entertaining people. Cause that, that's what cross does. It is, it's not just about you, but when you step out and look at it, you must realize that uh, although you've got an objective to win the race, that the way you did it, um, with Thomas in particular, it, you, you entertain. Do you ever do you ever look at it like that? Um, I think that the last few years of kind of Belgian races without spectators and stuff, you you kind of you yeah you forget about that connection to to everyone at home and stuff. Yeah. So it's and I think that's the best. It's the best way for me to go about my racing is just to just to keep it simple and look at the racing. But definitely yeah. last weekend at nationals and just all the kids and all the, yeah, the chats with different people like that is really like, that was half of my day complete really. Like the race was just the kind of cherry on top, like to, to see that in real life and to see all the people who are excited to watch me race and, and to, and they've been telling me, Oh, we've been watching at home every single weekend and we just can't wait for you to race again. And, and then, then their kids are able to actually see me in real life and stuff like that. Like I don't think about it when I'm racing in Belgium and it's just, and it's just, you're seeing the same people, the staff, the other riders, but yeah, coming back to, to nationals that that's what it should be like. You should be able to kind of see the fruits of your labor and like really see what's, what's going on back home. And then, yeah, the actual race itself to show that's that that's the level of UK cross. And that's what it, the potential is the potential is to have this awesome close race at the highest level um and for people to see it in real life because oh, the crowds really were really quite i felt i felt the pressure like when we came into that <laughs> bum hole like yeah the the first lap uh, yeah when you're warming up you're you're in your own little bubble and then you go to start line there's always people there but really into that first bum hole section i was like flipping out this is yeah this is real yeah, let's just now try and forget about it and just focus on the the, the lines and the ruts. But um, and especially like Thomas has some real real passionate supporters, and I, yeah. it, in my head, I don't know if it was the kind of mental part of that, but it felt fifty fifty. It was like, like every shout for Thomas was a shout for me. There was also a shout for me, um, which maybe showed my uh, my headspace when I like I was feeling the pressure like on the wheel I was like flipping out there's lots of people shouting for him and then there's people shouting for me and because uh, normally to be honest I don't really normally think about that so maybe yeah. that was a little bit of a sign that 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 it was it was maybe a little bit overwhelming on race day sure. um but yeah I, yeah it's interesting it's yeah it, it, it is amazing though how when you're I mean my experience of that I obviously never raced across well one race very late in my career but um all of my um experience of that sort of thing 
especially on circuits, on a race like the Lincoln, for example, you've done that mm-hmm. in the Nationals um, at the back end of last year, didn't you? But um, when you when you hear your name, it, it does make a difference and it, it, it does something. And you, you do feel that little occasionally, especially yeah. when it was towards the back end, you feel that adrenaline dump and it does affect the way you perform in, in a, in, on some sort of level. It really, really does. Yeah, and I think especially at the national one, like it's maybe a bit different in Belgium because it's it's kind of a, it's just a massive noise. But I could actually hear people that I knew, which which is quite nice. Like my, the Scottish mountain bike coach was there who's coached me before. And yeah, just other people, a few family members. And, and if they pick a quiet section of the course, I think that what was good about the course is that, yeah, there was the big scrum of people around the bomb hole, but there were yeah. re- bits that were really quiet. And that's when you could like give information or really just, Get, you can and the great thing about cyclocross we're trudging through mud at like five kilometers an hour ten kilometers an hour yeah. and you can be at like right up in someone's face and tell them exactly what you want to tell them and yeah. if if you know what to say man it can make such a big difference it's just unlike any other sport in in cycling because yeah in road it's just flying past it's really hard to kind of get there but we're absolutely going maximum right in front of you but almost in slow motion like it's yeah. like you don't even have to watch the slow motion on tv you just you're just seeing it right there you've just got so much more time to to, to watch what's happening yeah it, it's it, it's a sport you know what that i'm increasingly like year on year i mean the popularity is 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 getting up especially in this country mm-hmm. I, and i think it's fair to say globally uh, as well but it's um there's there's a real texture that i love and i do really enjoy getting the opportunity to commentate on it although i'm not yeah. by no means an expert um or, or i always have somebody next to me that it's just very very exciting and the one thing to talk about the the course there was a couple of the earlier races mm-hmm. the juniors where there weren't quite as many people around but what that allowed the viewer to experience is it was the sounds of cyclocross yeah. as well the the way you know you're riding at 5 or 6 k's an hour you know this this low low velocity high cadence sort of riding unless mm-hmm. you're hoofing a big gear but it was the sound of the of the mud against the tires that suction that you never hear anybody else and you, you yeah. felt like you were really there and amongst it yeah and and it's something as well that in the last year when we haven't had spectators at the races that the commentators have um have realized is that when it's just the audio from the race you you do hear a lot more you hear like the guys absolutely breathing super yeah. hard or yeah or you, you see it in the mountain biking as well just uh, when the microphones are really close and I think that's really cool when when it's the road commentary there's always a helicopter sound or the or the motorbike sound but being right in there with the with the racers is something pretty special and um and in and cyclocross is yeah it's perfect for that yeah definitely I mean, what is it we'll, we'll stick on this theme because you clearly speak very very passionately and eloquently about what you do and you're still a very very young man but what is it that you What's the special ingredient that has made you clearly fall in love with cross? Um, and, and actually off-road a little bit in general, because you're obviously you ride a fair bit of gravel. You're obviously a very, very accomplished mountain biker as well. But what is it particularly about cross that you that you you adore? Um, it's just got loads of little kind of, per, like just little kind of funny little things that are really specific, like just the thing all around the tire pressures and the bike set up and the, the way that you need to be really kind of careful and precise. And it's, it's, it's things that you can't really make a video about. You can't do a tutorial on. It's just like, it's, sure. it's so like year on year experience, things like that. And that's what really kind of, as soon as I went to Belgium for the first time, I realized like these guys are, it's, it's years of experience and, and 
all of these tiny little things they've got so drilled. And I just found that so impressive. The the first Belgian race I went to um, was Zonhoven, which was probably a mistake because it's famously insanely hard. It's, it's, super, it's a really sandy it's, one, isn't it? It's a super sand one with a yeah. massive, massive crater that you ride down. And we just thought, well, if we're going to do it, we might as well just go straight in there. Um, and I did my race and it was it was a bit of a mess. Like I had a good start and yeah, I can't remember, I was like 30th or something in the juniors. Uh, and then we stayed and we watched the elite men's and women's and we're just watching and realized they're doing one hour and they look as fresh and as drilled and as precise on the last lap as they did on the first. And it's yeah. that type of, oh, it's so it's so impressive how they're squeezing out all these fine little 1%. And I think for Saddlecross, it's just how drilled um, and how good it feels when you get it like that. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. it's something that all Saddlecross racers are chasing is that like feeling of flow when yeah. it's just happening and you're on autopilot but that autopilot is like absolutely railing it around like a muddy field or a sand race or something like that there's there's the feedback is so direct because the bikes have no suspension you're literally riding on the on the rim um and yeah there's just nothing between you and the parkour or whatever so it's so so direct which yeah i think i love it it's awesome it's a really, really, really good way of describing it. I mean, when I did my first proper cycle, I did a national trophy a few years ago for GCN. Uh, over was in it Mil- the Milton Mil- Keynes one? Because yeah. I was there. We are oh, right, right, right. <laughs> okay. Were you riding in the juniors or the schoolboys or something? Or, uh, or you... Under 14s, I think. Under 14s, so, right. You were yeah. probably lapping far quicker than me anyway, Cameron. I tell, <laughs> I tell you that. But my, and I'd obviously trained a bit leading up to it, but nowhere yeah. near as fit as I'd like to be. But it wasn't. And I, I was still reasonably strong, but what, what I felt was, and I'd never felt it at all, even when I'd been mountain biking, was, like you say, this connection between you, between the, the nuanced movement of the bike was something yeah. I'd never felt before. Because on a road, yeah. you're used to being connected. And yeah, there is nuance there, but you, it's it's a simpler nuance. But in mm. cross, because of the, the, the variations on surface, especially cambers, yeah. um, the low tire pressure, I've never felt so ill at ease on a bike but I, yeah. I did get you know over time I got a little bit more control but it was like riding on a knife edge or on or on like really crappy ice skates it was just understanding yeah. the movements of the bike and there's so much to learn and master there yeah. isn't it and you're, you're never going to put you're never going to perfect it are you but you can get as close to perfection as you can and that's what you were describing that constantly striving to yeah. be in control as best as you can yeah, because because when I look back at like the best races and stuff, and it's it's similar for obviously any any sport that it, it does feel effortless, but just with cyclocross, there's so many different aspects to that. There's the technical, there's the running, there's the there's the there's the bike, the bike set up, and all of that. Like it's it really has loads of different levels to it, uh, and then there's the physical and the mental. Yeah. So like there's at least five things there that could be could just not work or could work and when they all work together that just feels yeah that feels awesome and that happened to you didn't it um it's happened to you many many times but in particular your your win in addendumond in the world cup uh, i've just watched back that race um yeah um 37 seconds in front of the of the world champion the kit was wasn't it but uh, what that was a day that clearly and you didn't have a brilliant start did you but you were clearly patient but the way you were like riding those exceptionally technical sections um, that was a day clear when everything came together. Yeah, I think uh, I've, ch- I've chatted to a few people about it because at the time it happened very quickly and I didn't really yeah. dwell on it. And I, I maybe regret that a little bit. It would have been nice to enjoy it a little bit more because I, I realized how significant it was winning mm-hmm. the World Cup and, and doing it like how I did. But yeah, looking back, I realized like 
with with Christmas being the day before, it, it worked really quite well. And the night before the race, I called my dad and I said, it doesn't feel like I'm racing World Cup tomorrow. I'm just at home in Belgium. The race is 20 minutes away tomorrow morning and we've just had a nice Christmas day. And that, I think, showed how chill I was and how relaxed I was. Um, <clears throat> and I was just ready to to give it my all and yeah the first lap or so first half lap I wasn't quite in my groove but I got over that pretty quick and realized that I was riding well and as I got onto the the back of the lead group um my old team manager Kurt Bogarts who's the manager of um Tom Pidcock as well or the kind of logistic and yeah sporting manager of uh, of Tom he, he said to me you can win this breathe and or something like that i can't remember exactly what he said but he just very clearly said like yeah you're strong enough to win today um and he said and and like i was talking about earlier he can say that like right in my face next to the course while i'm running along with my bike so it was very clear kind of thing and i i thought well i I agreed with him obviously (laughs) in the moment and just got and just got on with it and and then made my move to to get to pim uh who, who is in the lead and then half a lap later i rode away um and and then yeah a little bit on that last half lap I heard a few people say like yeah this is yours this is yours and and then on the home straight and then it was done so um yeah no really really good day Uh, I mean clearly you put all of a hell of a lot of work in but to have um clearly you're in relaxed in in really good physical shape but as you quite rightly says when you're when you have a close relationship with um a coach or somebody somebody who knows you really well and they and they they have that belief that's shared. It is amazing how that not so much motivates you, but reinforces your own confidence. If somebody says to you that you trust, you can do this. You don't always need that to be said, but when it is said and it's it's used sparingly, it's it can be very powerful, can't it? Yeah, and it's that timing as well. It's like, <clears throat> yeah, you, you don't just randomly say those words. Like you have to, yeah, you have to time them. And in that moment, yeah, that was that was the right timing it was the time for me to push on to really commit to really go all in um i i uh, i think it was on the home straight i was in pim's wheel and uh, at that point we'd kind of we'd done one home straight each so it was his turn to kind of lead the lead the home straight even though he had a, a dutch rider behind sure. so if he was super if he was more on it he probably would have got me to come through but so he, he dragged me up the home straight and just before similar to actually national champs yeah. just before the end i just hopped in front and then um gave like maybe yeah 10 pedal revs and then it went into deep mud uh deeper than national champs actually it was a real right. like real bog section like if you didn't attack it as hard as you could you wouldn't be able to ride it right. so i attacked it as hard as i could got it clean uh, and then there was a small kind of rise on the way up and then the next section was where Kurt Bogarts was and he said, you have the gap, you go all in for one lap now. So I just did one lap as good as I could, as clean as I could, and then turned around and the gap was 20 seconds. So, um, yeah, I was dead happy with how I, how I, yeah, just that kind of clear thought of like, not, not stressing, but just realizing that if I do one good lap, like, of course he's not going to be in the wheel. Um, and it worked on a course like that because of how heavy it was but um but yeah fantastic it's fun. really lovely to hear uh, hear your insight there um oh, sorry there's a funny sound um sorry about this guy's foot oh just bear with us <clears throat> sorry about this mate it is time for a random question 
Right. Um, we've got a random question as part okay. of my as part of my deal with Sigma Sports. And I, again, yeah, I don't know if you've heard this, but they installed a big, uh, circa 1965 Russian computer in my bedroom. Um, and every now and again, a big red light flashes, and it's a random question for my podcast guest. Um, it's quite a long one. Um, so are, okay. are you ready? You ready for this? It's yeah, completely random. I, I've never read this before, Cameron. Yeah. Um, okay. A UFO lands in your garden. A charming but insistent alien coerces you on board. The alien allows you to take one item with you to keep you entertained throughout your 1,000-year journey across the galaxy. What do you take along with you? Okay, terms and conditions apply. Uh, Food and drinks are provided to a three-star bed and breakfast standard while on board. Uh, You will not age or you will not become ill. And upon your return, it will seem as though you have not been away and nobody will have missed you. Wow, that's the longest random question we've had, but it's very specific. So, yeah, you're on board an alien spacecraft. When you get back, nobody would have missed you, but you're going to be there for a thousand years. What mm. are you going to take with you? My first thought was <laughs> uh, I would take a camera because when Ooh. we used to, when we used to go on holiday to Wales, we'd drive from Scotland. And it, it used to take like twelve hours or something. I don't think it was ever that long, but it felt long. Um, and I would just have like the family camera in the back seat and there's so much you can do with that I, I think it showed how kind of how much I would use cameras later in life because I yeah. make videos and stuff like that and I do have a kind of fascination with it but yeah just taking photos of random things out the window or, and then use all the different modes in the camera and stuff like that so I think yeah that would be my kind of trivial answer to, to that question bring a camera and then also a thousand years a lot's going to happen there's yes. going to be a lot to see so yeah yeah I've got caught. I mean, what a brilliant. So it'd be weird, wouldn't it? So you'd get back and you'd have. How would you explain that? I mean, blimey, you'd have this. Well, you'd you'd, yeah. have, you'd have photos of it. That's you the would. idea. Yeah, exactly. So, there you go. so yeah. <laughs> very, very good point. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a cracking answer. I thought you were going to say I'll take me my cross bike and just ride around the spaceship, but it's probably only limited size and it's going to be indoors, isn't it? Yeah, um, and I hate I hate indoor riding. I I would do anything not to bring a flipping <laughs> turbo or anything like that. I just hate it. So uh, I'd, I'll take I'll use it an opportunity to not ride a bike for a bit for a thousand years or so or whatever. Yeah, because you'll get uh, back yeah. and you'll still be apparently you're, you're still be quite fit, uh, so you wouldn't have yeah, lost any shape. Um, what a what a crap! And, and I, if that ever does happen, um, make sure to give us a reasonable amount of exclusivity on some of the photos for Sigma Sports. If yeah. that's okay, oh, um, as well, like a thousand years, like you could come back with a new job. Basically, you, you sell, yeah, you would be all right for money, wouldn't you? you sell all you to would. NASA and to to all the different governments. You can document it all yeah. and start a YouTube channel and an Instagram page. Like, oh, it's just endless. Mate, I tell you what, that, I mean, that's a proper business plan right there. You seem to have yeah. written. I mean, uh, we we could. There's a separate pod, I think, just about that question <laughs> well okay Cameron you're not been I mean you're a young man as I said 21 years of age you've not been in the, in the sport that long so can you I know a few people who know you very well will obviously know how you started out but for those who don't just explain a little bit how you got into uh, into cross and indeed mountain biking and just cycling in general yeah into cycling in general like I learned to ride a, I learned to ride a bike very young um, and it was something always in in the family we do we would do um family cycling holidays so we would just choose a long weekend and we would I think I would have started on the I guess on the tag along or on the the kind of child seat on the back of my dad's bike yeah and we would cycle to a pub and then stay at the pub and then maybe cycle I don't know what distances it'd be funny to actually look back and see what distances we were doing it was probably only maybe 20 30 miles a day or something but it would take all day because I imagine 
me and my brother uh, and my mum and dad. It would take a while to, to actually make progress. But I know that lots of good memories and we would we would sometimes go with another family, family friends and stuff. Um, so I've always cycled and kind of explored and stuff like that. But the racing side of it actually came from my my uncle worked in a school um, near Reading and he was kind of the leader of the, the kind of bike club. Um, so we were down there visiting one time. We had our bikes and he said, oh, you can come along to this this race we're doing at the high school. And it was a cyclocross race. Um, okay. And I had my mountain bike with me and uh, we raced. And I think I won the under eights and finished second in the under 12 or something. I was I, I was like seven or eight years old. I was really young. Okay. Um, and yeah, it was awesome because I had great skills because I just rode my bike every day. It felt like up until then. And then when we came back to Scotland, there was the Scottish cross country series. There was a Scottish saddle cross series. And then I started getting into all the kind of regional road events. Um, Ingolston was the kind of main, uh, main venue near the airport that we would race at. Um, so yeah, just for that, for that kind of under 12 racing area, I just raced everything. I did a bit of downhill as well, a bit of track cycling, which I didn't really like because it wasn't, I just didn't find it so fun. And sure. um, so yeah, just did, did all the racing. So it sounds, I mean, quite clearly there's, I mean, in, just in Scotland alone, um, there's a lot for a young cyclist to do in terms of uh, events and by the sounds of things, it sounds pretty comprehensive. Yeah, I think uh, where I am, I'm quite central. So yeah, we're only kind of 40 minutes from the velodrome in Glasgow and then there's different venues around. Uh, my local kind of mountain biking woods is pretty well developed. And so when I was kind of getting into racing, we, I didn't have a club or anything. We would go to the races and you would see, you would see the Edinburgh Road Club and you would see the Glasgow Road Club and all these different things. And I didn't really have, we didn't really have one near. So the, the local adult club was the West Lothian Clarion. Yeah. Um, so my dad set up a youth section of that um and the first session we did there were maybe 10 10 youths loads of different ages a couple of coaches and then since then the west lothian uh clarion youth club is is huge it's got a big waiting list they do different events and um so yeah it's nice to it's nice to say that i was a kind of a, a part of that from the start and the amount that i learned uh every week from a go ride club doing cyclocross coaching road coaching and mountain bike coaching was just yeah it's such a massive part of 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 my kind of skill set was was all of that and and i found it so fun as well and that's it made it just dead easy just went along every week and it was an hour and a half two hours of just great like fun bike riding but it was that like purposeful practice yeah. in a really fun way and yeah. that's uh, that's the best way to do it I, it's really really interesting you say that because it was going to be one of my questions because i was uh, Watching your video earlier on, uh, where you, I think it was a few months ago, four or five months ago, where you went out to do a couple of one minute max tests and then mm -hmm. a five minute effort and then a 20 minute effort. And yeah. um, there's a really nice bit at the top of the video. Um, and you framed it really nicely. This is, and you said this is a cam from the future, just to say this is full of numbers um, yeah. because that's what we, you know, we have to train to. And that's a barometer, isn't it? Of, of, uh, it's a measure of your, your fitness and you want to see how yeah. you are. But you know, it's not just all about numbers. And you, you did, you remind, and then you actually signposted people to go and watch some of Alex Dowsett's videos because mm -hmm. he talks about, he talks about numbers a lot. And I, I find them fascinating. But the fundamentally, the fundamentally most important thing or one of the most important things about cycling because it is so brutal and it's and it's very very measurable now more yeah. than ever is the enjoyment side of it you have to be able to like weirdly what you're doing first and foremost 
if that flame dies, you've just got to step away for a little while, haven't mm-hmm. you? And I really thought it was quite important um, and exceptionally um, kind of mature of you, if you, don't, if you don't mind me saying, to mention mm-hmm. that as such a young guy. And you really, really are tuned into the fact that bike riding is brutal, it's hard, it's yeah. beautiful, but yeah. fundamentally it has to be fun. And, and if you if that's what you always remember and, 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 um, and cast your mind back to, especially when you're going through illness, injury, sickness, or whatever, yeah. lack of form, just go back to thinking about riding for fun. And I love that you that you celebrate that. Yeah, and I think what I've realised in the last few years, I'm in quite a privileged position to have a lot of people looking up to me, and but, but of a very kind of specific age. So mm. I get a lot of messages from kind of under 14, under 12 boys um, asking for advice and a whole load of questions about diet and about training, about, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm unmotivated and stuff. And I feel... First of all, when I read them, I feel lucky that they've decided to message me about it um, yeah. because they feel like I can give them some advice. And then second of all, some of them, I think it's, it's like, yeah, it's frustrating that, that there's 14 year old kids asking about what they should be eating to fuel their bike riding. Because yeah. Yeah. the first thing I think is, well, I didn't ever think about that. I was lucky enough to never have to think about that. I just ate what I enjoyed, ate loads of it uh, because I was riding my bike all the time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, I realize, yeah, I'm in a position that I can, that, yeah, a lot of people would look to me to, to, to ask those things. So I've, yeah, I think it's quite important to, to kind of get in there that, um, for a, for a long time, for the majority of my life, I've been doing these things just for fun, just because I wanted to. Um, yeah. and you really, with loads of things, you just have to do it for your own reasons. It's, no one else matters. You just do it for exactly why you want to do it. And if you do that, then, no one can question it and you can't question it yourself as well. So uh, I think that's quite important. I mean, was there a point, like I say, you're reminded of 21, you talk, you started at like under eight, nine, 10 years of age by the sounds of from what you're saying roughly. <laughs> um, at what point, because obviously you're, I would imagine Cameron, you're going to be eyeing all being well, um, a professional career when you're a pro now, this, this is all you do. But at mm-hmm. what point did you in your young life decide actually, I really want to do this and, and see how far I can take it? Um, cause you've, you've still got, you know, a, a long way to go, haven't you, in terms of what you want to yeah. do. And I guess you don't really even know what that looks like yet because you're just enjoying the moment and, and, and being successful. But at what yeah. point did you think, yeah, I, I really want to give this a good go and see, see where, how far I can go. Um, I think it's like you say, like it never, it still hasn't felt like a actual turning point. I've just, sure. it's been a real natural progression. I think a little bit of ending, uh, when, when I left school, uh, I left school at the same, I did the full, whatever we do six years of, uh, secondary school in, in Scotland. And I guess at that point, because my friend group went off to uni or they got jobs. And, and for me at that point, I was not on any big team. I was, uh, funding myself. I had my own private sponsors. And, um, so at that point it was maybe a bit like, yeah, I've, of course there's, I've got no school anymore. So I'm going to ride a bike cause I enjoy it. And because I've got these goals, but, um, it's not, yeah, when you compare it to what my friends are doing, it's not really, a, it wasn't a real, it didn't feel like a real kind of pathway. It just felt like, sure. it just feel, if it, it was a bit Mickey Mouse kind of like, because it, it, it always is like that until you until you kind of make it in uh, in inverted commas. But um, so I guess, yeah, when I was leaving school, it felt a bit like, yeah, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to wake up every day and kind of uh, work towards this goal. Um, but then also I look back and realize, yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't the time I was, I just did all those things because 
um because i just enjoyed them and i felt like there were no other no other options i just did that and so i didn't really it was never really something i considered so Fair enough no like i think um it's only when somebody asks them people that question that they actually have to think mm-hmm. well actually no it, it just kind of unfurled in front of yeah. me there was no but um, i remember for me it was one particular point that, yeah and it was going to the tour de france and I thought I, I want to be one of those. I want to be Greg LeMond back in you know, 34 years ago, and that's what and that was, that set me on my path. But for other people, it happens happens differently, um, and quite often because you're just having a good time, and then suddenly mm-hmm. the results are there, and you think, "Whoa, okay, well, this is where I am now. This is where I've come." Just because I'm enjoying myself, feeling good, um, I'm fit, you know, I'm happy, got friends, I'm traveling. There is the whole. Pa- I mean, cycling is a package in terms of whatever discipline you do. Generally, you will travel around. You'll meet good people. Yeah. You'll learn self-discipline you, you'll learn to manage your time all things that are going to you know set you in good stead for whatever you do for the rest of your life as well i think yeah. it's um it's, it's a so it's such a rich learning environment just in terms of being a human being if you ask me mm-hmm. yeah i think yeah from what you're saying there about things happening naturally it's uh yeah if if you show up every day and you show that you're passionate the things will come to you and i think it's something that i've um yeah, I'm lucky that those those opportunities have come to me. But when I look back at them, it's of course like I was showing up every weekend. I was showing that I was I was motivated. I was passionate, and I had good skills. Like people notice these things, and I think a lot of the questions I do get from younger riders is like, "Ah, oh, how do you get noticed? How do you get in with the big teams? How do you do this stuff?" And I, it's kind of hard to say sometimes, but they will notice you if you if you if you do those things and you, and you show how passionate you are and you show how hard working you are. Um, because the great thing about cycling is that people are so passionate. They yeah. like people want to help. And that I've been so lucky in my career that, that people have, uh, given up so much time and stuff just to help. Like, and I think I've tried to remind myself that a lot of the people that are surrounded by me aren't doing it for money or for any kind of big kind of, you know, big dreamer stuff. They just love helping people who are passionate. And I think I've managed to attract really passionate people towards me because I show how much I love it. And yeah. when I do my hundred percent, they feel like they've got something out of it. Yeah. Um, and as you know, like a lot of people in cycling, they do a lot of this, all this stuff for free. So it's the little things that really go a long way. Um, and I've heard other cyclists talk about that, that their advice for younger riders would be to every opportunity be very thankful and appreciative that because it, especially when you're younger um it's not a professional sport it's an amateur sport and you need to you, you do need to give back so it's something i try and do um yeah i try and do that uh, it's lovely it's lovely that you recognize that and i can you know, I, I'd, I'd echo every single sentiment it's um we meet a lot of people in this sport and um, yep. and generally speaking actually 99.9 percent of the people that i've met have been kind good spirited and and generous as well you know mm-hmm. it's it, it's it's a I, yeah. I love it and i'm here i am at 52 um maybe not riding quite as much but absolutely loving it every yeah. day working in this uh, yeah. in this sport right i've um well i'm, I'm just going to tee it up you're from linlithgow you're living there still so i'd imagine you've got a reasonable knowledge of the town that you live in Cameron. okay so it's, it's time for the linlithgow quiz Oh, yes. Yo, yo. What's up? You all ready? Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Ta-ta-ta, turn off your phone. That's right. Da-da-da, get your thinking cap on. Yeah, yeah. Now it's time. What time? Ta-ta-ta, <laughs> time for the Linlithgow quiz. Oh, yeah. 
Damn it. Uh, Niall is available uh, for freelancing for helping out with any jingles in pod- in, uh, in YouTube channel, I believe, yeah. if you want to have a word with him afterwards. But that was the, it is time for the Lynn Lithgow quiz. Very fantastic yeah. effort there by Niall yet again. Um, so, Cameron, I've got it's we have a, every podcast to do, uh, generally speaking, um, we do a hometown quiz. Mm-hmm. Now, but don't worry, it, I'm not going to do your legs. It's multiple choice. So if you don't oh, know okay. the answer, just relax. That You can have like an educated guess, okay? So these are questions loosely based around the town of Linlithgow, which um, is pretty historic, isn't it? You know, Mary yeah, Queen yeah. of Scots from there. I mean, there's a lot of, co- oh, lot, I lot of culture. I hope, I hope that would have been one of the questions because that's it's, why I know. I know that Mary Queen of Scots is from here. So. I, I, I knew that, do you know what? I, it's not because I thought that'd be too easy, Cameron. Like well. I thought, but, but there, there's some other little, there's some there's some interesting ones. Four questions, all multiple choice. Let's yeah. get cracking. Uh, Lynn Lithgow quiz. Question number one, Cameron. Lynn Lithgow is twinned with a town in Texas, but what is this uh, Texan town's name? Okay. Is it... Yeah. A, apple tree, B, grapevine, C, pumpkin creek, or D, pear valley. So Linlithgow's twinned oh. with... It's only twinned with two places. One, it's a town in France and a town in Texas. Um, yeah. So what's, what's the name of the town? Apple tree, grapevine, pumpkin creek, or pear valley? They all sound ridiculous. So they all, they do me. sound ridiculous. Uh, uh, four of which I've made up. <laughs> Three of which yeah. I've made up, sorry. Three of which I've made up. Yeah. Um, I'll go with B. I can't remember what B was, but it's an educated guess with not much education. It's a guess. Grapevine, yeah? Yeah. Correct! Oh, oh my yes. goodness, yeah. <laughs> Correct, Samundo. He's off. This is, I mean, let's use, let's, let's use a cyclocross analogy. You've got the whole shot, mate. You're straight into the first corner in first place with that, with that, that felt, answer. That felt a million times easier than the whole shot. It's, that, feel, <laughs> that feels like I've just, like, I've been... I've, it's come to start cross race and they've just let me go ahead and walk for on the last lap like that boom oh, done alright okay well, you, we, we'll, we'll compare analogies as you go through <laughs> I like it okay right um, in 2007 a plaque was installed in the town of Linlithgow commemorating the fictional Star Trek character um, Scotty so Montgomery Scott um, the Scottish chap who had I think he wore a the engineer chief engineer of the Starship Enterprise have you heard of him? yes of course you have. Thank goodness for that. Okay, but and on the, on the plaque is the year that he will be born in, because obviously yeah. that was in the future. So yeah. there's a plaque, Scotty's on it with the year he will be born. What yeah. is that year? Is it A twenty one twenty one, B twenty one ninety nine, C twenty two twenty two, or D twenty two ninety nine? So Scotty isn't born yet. Um, what year is he going to be born? <laughs> oh, I thought it was this year. I thought, because I've, I've seen people chatting about it. So what, can I have the options again? I'll guess. Yes, of course. Um, 2121, 2199, 2222, or 2299. Maybe there's a date, an exact date C. as well. I think, I think C. We'll go with C. It's correct. It's 2222. Yes. yes. Brilliant stuff. Okay, well, um, lap number one of, of, of a five-lap race. I reckon you've got fifteen seconds. Yeah, yeah, I'll yeah, take that. We'll take yeah, that. Okay. It's a good, it's a good buffer. <laughs> yeah, good buffer, mate. But you need to keep the pressure on, all right? Especially exactly. on the technical. And this next section is quite technical. Um, yeah. It's off camber, really heavy mud, but it's about a seventy-meter off camber section, all right? Yeah. Momentum and, and just yeah, getting through it solid. Yeah. Yeah, I think most riders have got through just one or two dabs, but I think you'll be able to do it clean. <laughs> uh, anyway, here we go. Um, 
What is the Linlithgow local paper called? Okay. Is it the Linlithgow Herald, the Linlithgow Observer, the Linlithgow Gazette, or the Linlithgow Express? C, Gazette. It is the Gazette. 75. You're on a roll. I think you've extended your lead to 20 seconds and you've just got the bell. But Van Art isn't close behind and he he doesn't know what's happening. So, Flip, who is this lad? Is what he's saying. Um, Right. Okay. Okay. Right. I hope I'm right with this one because I'm going to. I'm not sticking. I've done some research, but anyway. Yeah. Cameron, Linlithgow itself doesn't have a poundland. Okay. But where is the nearest? By the mile, Ooh. okay. Ooh, is it... I love questions like this. <laughs> okay, so um, the nearest poundland to Linlithgow, is it the mall in Falkirk? Okay. Is it Livingstone, unit 43F on the Almondia South Estate? Okay. Or is it C, unit 3B of the Central Retail Park in Falkirk? Or is it in George Street in Bathgate? Um, They're all quite close, aren't they? They're all pretty close. These are some very impressive towns that everyone will have heard of. Um, (laughs) I think it's uh, Bathgate. Correct! It's totally correct. That's 100%. Niall, um, firstly, let's get a round of applause. 100% for Cam Mason. Well... And, and Niall, can you remember the last time somebody got 100%? Because this will be episode like 62 or 63. Okay, Niall, wow. Um, uh, nope. Nope. I think you might be one. That, we'll have to check back through the annals. Uh, and it's a, we've been doing this for about 20, 20 episodes now. I think you might yeah. be the first person to get 100%. So well done. Fantastic stuff. 100%. Uh, in just on the Go quiz. So now we've got another round of applause from the assembled crowd in my uh, bedroom here. Um, wonderful stuff. Right. Um, let's move on. Um, a little bit, um, and I, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about about Trinity, how that how that mm-hmm. came about. Because I, I well, I do know that Tom Pidcock um, invited you to join. So, so how did that actually uh, come to pass? And and actually talk to us a little bit what what the setup's like because they've really seen some some mega riders step up, and it seems like a really really um, nurturing and and fruitful and fun sort of environment to be in. Yeah, I think well, that's plain for everyone to see. I think. The I think it was 2019, uh, it got to about September, I think maybe, that uh, Tom asked me. So I was out on a training ride up up the Lang Wang, actually, that people right. will know, um, a big road above, above Edinburgh. And I just got an Instagram DM from Tom saying, do you want to join Trinity UCI cyclocross team? And I didn't even do anything. I just literally just replied... Right then, they're saying yes, of yes. course. Uh, like, <laughs> it's immediate, that's like, brilliant. Like, who is there to call? Who is there to tell? Of course, you're just going to say yes. And I called my dad, my coach, and stuff, and finished my training session. I, funnily enough, did very good power numbers after that. Cause, I bet you did, uh, yeah. Good feelings. Um, and went to Belgium a couple of weeks later. Uh, we went to actually London and did this big team launch at Red Bull HQ, which was just yeah, perfect, like super exciting Danny McCaskill was there which just teed it all up he uh wow. he he gave um uh Tom had just signed for Red Bull so he gave him his his Red Bull home and all that so it was as a young cyclist who'd been watching all the Red Bull stuff like Danny McCaskill is the ultimate hero he he goes above any road cyclist or cyclocross rider he is cycling hero for me um so that was awesome and then yeah got out to Belgium and just got stuck in so the support that, that we had the first year was just awesome. The 
equipment and the the Belgian knowledge, our mechanics were our ex racers, and and Kurt Bogarts was was kind of managing the cyclocross team, and um and then living with with Tom as well, and just I look back and every day, every week, there was just these new experiences, um but they were all so positive and so, uh yeah, just so exciting. So yeah, it was it was really really cool. And then since then, the team's developed loads. So yeah. at the start of of that, it was just myself, Abby May Parkinson, and and Tom. And then that kind of went into the 2020 year. So they had this road team planned. And, and as we know, a lot of races didn't happen. But um, Tom still won the Giro. Uh, there was a big road team around him then. And since then, so at the moment, there's a full mountain bike squad, a full road squad, and a cyclocross squad and all at the high level of, 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 of the sport. Um, and that's just been perfect for me, that these opportunities to just go straight into the highest level of sport with no friction, no, no logistics or anything. Everything's yeah. just set up, ready to go. Yeah. Um, and I don't, a lot of the time I don't appreciate that, but like one week before National Road Champs, uh, I was just given that opportunity and I said, yes, of course, like, yeah, let's go, let's try and do that. And uh, I think that's, I'm yeah, very privileged to be able to just jump into these opportunities and the opportunities I've got this cup coming summer as well. I'm racing all the mountain bike world cups in U23. I should have some kind of stage racing, road raids, road race, stage racing, um, opportunities as well. So yeah, I'm at the stage in my career where I can't do enough. I just, yeah, there's, yeah. there's so much to learn. So, um, a team that has all the disciplines, all the things already in place, all of the, connections and and relationships with the with the teams and with the races so yeah it's, it's the perfect kind of place for me now it, it must be quite exciting and almost the fact that you you've, you've got an amazing you know desire and drive to to succeed most and, and have fun you've got this opportunity now uh to enter some of the biggest races but at some point um Within that, there has to be a structure, doesn't there? There has to be. There's a. I would imagine a degree of spontaneity because it's the very nature of cycling teams. Things change, and you have to be. You have to be flexible. But so, what do you want to get out of of, of this season in, in in particular? First and foremost, you want to go to the World Championships and do a cracking ride there. But what does the rest of the season hold for you? And and how far down the road in terms of planning that are you now? So, what does it look like as best as you can describe for us? Yeah. So. Yeah, the immediate future is get through this world champs kind of uh, process and and do a good job and yeah, if I finish the race and I do everything I can, then I'll be dead happy and I'll be in a good place to to focus on the on the summer. So for that, it's I feel like I've got things to prove. Um, I broke my arm in April last year, yeah. um, and it put me out for basically the whole summer, and I missed out on a lot of opportunities, which at the time was was pretty frustrating. But yeah, so this summer I'm in my last year of U23. Um, I'm, I'm keen to see what my level is like at, um, mountain bike level, mountain bike okay. world cup level, and then also on the kind of world U23 level on the road. Um, right. so the, the kind of silver lining of my injury was that I did a bit more road than I maybe would have planned to last year. So I did a few local races, did a few national races and then the national champs. And that gave that little bit of spark of realizing, yeah, like if I focus on this, there's, there's maybe something in there. Uh, and then I went on to have my, yeah, like the cross season I'm in at the moment, which all, people are also impressed with and they know how well that can translate. So, um, it will just be about managing that. Like there's, 
there's no real clear goal or clear like position or target. It's, it is more of a, yeah, I'm, I'm just wanting to get an experience and get, and get a, a year out of, out of, um, the next kind of few months. And yeah. it's exciting. Yeah. We're teeing up things already. We've got some races in the pipeline, some, some ideas of structure. Uh, some of those ideas have come from people like, like Ian Stannard, our DS, uh, yeah. and from my manager as well. So, um, yeah, it's, it's exciting. I bet, I bet it is. I mean, especially with such a broad field of vision, you've got, you know, the mountain biking objectives cross again at the end of the year, I guess, mm-hmm. as well. Of course, you're not going to shy away from that. And, and, and as well, when you see the amount of riders um, who are managing multidisciplines, I mean, and, and the fact, and let's go back to the Tom Pidcock example I read the yeah. other day, and it was really, really encouraging you know, that he's been given a real degree of flexibility within his program to, to, do, to do a bit of cross to do some mountain biking as well. And the fact a world tour team, you know, allows riders to do that. I think it's um, allowing a rider to express themselves, especially mm-hmm. when they're young, before they fully find their feet. And and because riders are getting very, very good, very young now, because for various reasons, primarily, you know, expert coaching, understanding yeah. of physiology, nutrition, all, all the reasons that you're benefiting from as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, um, I think it's lovely that riders, that the coaches teams are allowing young riders to obviously there's a degree of pressure because you know with when your your objective is success there's a bit of pressure that comes with that and some people cope with it better than others but the opportunity to express yourself must be very exciting especially when you're very good Cameron at multi-disciplines it, it's not like a kid in a candy shop but I bet you just can't get you know you've got a lot on right now but I bet you really cannot wait to get get cracking on next season or this season coming yeah, and I think that's something that I'm realizing in cycling is that if, if things are ever getting a bit stale or a bit hard, like to mix it up is the best thing to do. And it, it just, yeah, being bad at something is actually a really good thing because you, you're out of your comfort zone. There's lots yeah. to learn and all that type of stuff. Like the, the road racing I did last year was terrifying at some point. And right. I'm used to going like- Why? Pretty, tell, tell, tell me why. Why was it terrifying? Uh, it was it was the Rydale GP, the, the one- and it was just the first. I've done that a few times. Good. Yeah, I've done that a few times. Yeah. It, it was my first race back after my injury, and it was the first lap. We were going down this kind of farm lane at what, yeah, 60, 70k an hour in a group of 100 guys. And I realized, like, I have no control over what happens in the next few minutes. Like, yes. this is nothing to do with me. And from when you come from mountain biking and cyclocross, I've realized that cyclocross is you're basically a time trialist. You, you start the race. A lot of the races are like a time trial. You you're really individual. You have to manage your effort, all of this, and yeah. and it's and it's maybe that's as well because I'm a little bit better at it. I'm maybe putting the hurt on more often than I'm getting the hurt put on me. So sure. the kind of mentality of then really switching that, and you're kind of you're a sucker to what's what the situation is or what the 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 parker is like or all these all these hundreds of variations in in road cycling yeah. and it was very overwhelming i was like Flip, i just feel out of control like i it just <laughs> just just like yeah there's just so many things that can happen um yeah. that aren't in my control um but then one race done i realized like i just learned 50 things 100 things yeah in 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 three hours yeah. and the next race is going to be like 50 percent easier done. Yeah. like that's that it, it was such a steep thing so the next race got round, yeah, didn't get dropped, was in the bunch finish, in the bunch kick, and then, yeah, like, 
you, all those things that you just you didn't know before you just naturally you're there you have to deal with them there's no time to think you just do um and that's that's cool that's exciting for me and the thing is everything and it's a really uh, and there's a couple of interviews with uh, some of the cross riders at the nationals mm-hmm. and a few of those just said it's well it's just a a time trial effort you just pretty much on the limit and it but in in road okay if you're in a breakaway um on your own it's a time trial mm. effort but the rest of it is is you know trying to save energy a lot of the time uh trying to yeah. minimize just go as quick as you can for the least amount of energy that's basically road racing um yeah. and then all the other variables because you're with 150 other guys a lot of the time or mm. whatever the field is um so there's there's less variables in terms of the bike and what it can do on the road because yeah. there's it's there's a, there's a certain constant to it but then yeah. Because there's another 149 guys doing their own thing, that's yeah. where the, that's where that's where the, the lack of control comes in. But but yeah. it's it's just like you say, it's just part of this wonderful learning cycle. Yeah. And you looking at what you've done, you, you will the more road you do, you'll you'll, yeah. you'll be absolutely fine. But, but I'm, um, I imagine all those things we just chatted about with road, though, when it goes right, that oh my goodness, that must feel crazy to be able to have gone through all like that a war zone and all these like things that were just unimaginable and like. You, all these things you couldn't control and then it just works out like that's because the thing is that my win in Dendermonde it felt controlled and because I had it under control but uh to master like a race like Pyrubay oh my goodness like you can't even get your head around how many many things go wrong in the day and all that that that's madness totally and 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 you're different and because it's longer Mm -hmm. let's take four let's extend from Rydale to go up to like classic distance like four yeah five six seven hours of racing so many emotional and physical states you pass through. Well, every single rider passes through. So it's almost almost the state of entropy within the peloton, mm. um, considering all the different factors. It's, it's almost infinite what can yeah. what can happen. Um, and you're right. You know, there's not a lot of riders win on multiple occasions. Some pros go through their whole career, but the moment you yeah. you do, you get that win. It is very, very, very special. As, as you well know, you've you've won on the road as well. But it's a uh, it's just. We could talk for hours, mate. It's it's massively <laughs> exciting. This voyage that you're you're only in the very very early stages. You just you got another year of under twenty three, and then then the world's your oyster, mate. And um, yeah, I cannot wait to see how how you get on over the next um, over the next few years. But I've got another before we do wrap things up. Yeah, I've got another little quiz for you. Okay, it's a very short quiz. It's called the one word answer quiz. Okay, the one word answer quiz. Slightly shorter jingle there, but I do like that one. <laughs> That's a good one. That's good. I know. I like that too. Thank you very much indeed. So, it's, so all you, you can only answer me with one word. If we wish to add a little bit of context afterwards, fine, but I just need one word. There's no yeah. right or wrong. It's just almost like a psychological experiment, uh, Cameron, if that's okay. So, yeah. question number one. You can choose one of these words as your answer. Cyclocross, mountain biking, gravel, or road? Mountain biking. Ooh. Oh, didn't expect that. Okay, well, we're not. We're just gonna let that breathe, and let 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 the listeners decide. Okay, one word answer for this next one as well. Of course, sum up riding in sand in one word. Uh, balance. Oh, balance. That's nice. I like that one. That's what I don't have. I find it absolutely <laughs> terrifying riding in sand. I went out 
a couple of weeks back in Richmond Park and I rode on the bit where the horses go and I didn't realise yeah. I wasn't allowed to. Just laid it down about four times. Amazing. <laughs> There's just let, I, I thought, you know, and I was, I, was, I was on a cross bike. I was on a Cannondale yeah. Super 6 Evo CX. Nice cross bike. Yeah. Four, four times down, mate, in the space of a, yeah. a K. Lot to learn. Sa- sand is like, it's, <laughs> especially in Belgium, the ruts and stuff. What's awesome is how good it can feel when it works well because the, the thing about the ruts is that obviously it's all soft mushy sand but yeah. right in that rut it's compacted it's like a scholastic track it's like right in there and if you nail it and you don't even think about what's going on it might as well have not been sandy and that's what the pros are like it's, oh, it's crazy yeah I, I do love watching them on sand and when people get it wrong it's catastrophic but you can yeah. see when you haven't got one of the grooves when you're on one of the kind of broader bits mm-hmm. there's no line choice you just have to yeah. Like you said, balance. You just have to, I guess, relax. And and if the sand and the bike wants to take you one way, you just got to go with it and not fight yeah. it. I guess. So, yeah. but brilliant. Okay, question three. Um, tell me the pizza topping that best describes you. Overshine. Overshine. Just because I, really, I really like it. That's fair but, enough. I, I, I'll be I honest with you. It's got no deep meaning. I just like it. No, no, but again, aubergine. Um, I, uh, I'm not a fan of aubergine, um, right. but, but my wife, Holly, absolutely loves aubergines. Yeah, I just don't um, think you're eating it right then, because I think anyone I've talked to is not a fan of it. Like once you, <laughs> once you really roast it with like good quality olive oil and good garlic and good, oh man, it's, oh, it's insane. Because I've, you do, you do cooking. You cook for your family on your rest days, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. So what are you gonna? Are you cooking tonight or not? Because you've been training today, haven't you? Uh, I cooked on the night I came back from national. Uh, the the day after I came back from nationals because I had an easy day. But I think when I'm training, I, I don't really, I, I don't quite have the energy to to follow with. <laughs> I like my family, but not not enough like that. No, I mean that's fair. fair, fair. You've got to draw the line somewhere with family, <laughs> haven't you? Okay. Um, next question. I'm just gonna. Um, um, okay, a genie pop weirdly. A genie when you're out on a ride pops out of it at the end of a gel. Uh, to tell you that from this point onwards, you can only ride one set tire pressure for the rest of your cyclocross career. Um, what is your answer? <laughs> what a strange question. Uh, 1.3 bar, which I think is like 19, 18 PSI or something. Okay, 18 PSI. Yeah. I mean, technically that's not one word, but you know what I mean. So I could give you that. Uh, yeah. I would have been very difficult for you to get that question <laughs> one word. So so basically, one put to so you... So that is a is that a, like a catch-all tile press? So pretty much any cross course, you'd be all right on that, would you? Yeah, I think the only course I wouldn't maybe Namur because it's really rocky, and then some right, other okay. ones you want really low pressure. But I think yeah. you get around, you'll be fine. Like it's it's squishy, but it's not flat and it's not rock hard, so it's yeah, it's in the middle. Top knowledge, um, great stuff. One point three bar, eighteen yep. psi. It is um, okay. Final question on the one word answer quiz before we wrap up. What well, has been a Wonderful pod. Oh, by the way, before we do the last answer, I got a message through from our producer, Niall, to say that the last person to get 100% in the quiz was in episode 45, and it was the um, photo- cycling photographer extraordinaire, Russ Ellis, oh. who got 100%. Yeah. You know, the um, lovely chap lives in Australia now, northerner, but uh, yeah. does some bonkersly good cycling photos. He got 100%. But it's been 18 episodes or 17 episodes, um, so that's a long streak. So anyway, back to the quiz. Okay. Pringles, McCoys, Doritos, Walker's Cheese and Onion, Pork Scratchings. If you had to choose one as race food, which would it be? McCoys. 
Oh, straight in there with the McCoys. Wow. Okay, just explain that one. There's no, uh, hesi- no hesitation. No hesitation. Just, just nostalgia. Just like good McCoys. Just, yeah. Probably, I don't know if they do an onion-y one, but like a proper like pickled onion like McCoys, I think that's right on my street. I mean, this this podcast isn't sponsored by McCoys, but um, if they want to get involved, no no worries at all. But yeah, there is yeah. they do do a cheese and onion. McCoys do yeah. a cheese and onion. Uh, I just think it's a uh, again, it's an unorthodox race food. Um, yeah, but it's just so fatty. It's amazing. It's just like oh, and, and also, the, yeah, it's that, that savory hit as well. You know, we mm. obviously you quite a lot of the time crave sweet things, but occasionally yeah. you want a little bit of a savory hit as well, don't you? And yeah. I think I that think would just Dor- do Dorito, Doritos is very close just because of the chili heat wave and the tanginess and stuff like that. But yeah. nah, the other more boring ones, like, yeah. Not, not I, think, I think Pringles, I mean, the just the way that the vessel that they contained in could be quite handy yeah. right in, the, in your middle pocket. And it, you can pop the lid on again. If it's raining, they're going to keep yeah. dry, aren't they? But um, even 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 when McCoys get broken up, because they're crinkled, they break up in a really nice way, so you can just, like, wolf them down. That's a, they don't go to dust, do they? They're kind no. of reasonably big chunks. Yeah. Um, brilliant, <laughs> brilliant forensic analysis <laughs> of how of the destruction of a McCoy in your back pocket during a race. Yeah. Um, brilliant stuff. I tell, we're going we're gonna to end it there, uh, Cameron. That's been um, what a wonderful podcast that was. I really, really enjoyed talking to you, mate. It's been um, fascinating chat to get to know you a little bit better. And I think everybody who listens is going to really enjoy it. And I think, um, well, this podcast will be out when it goes out. I think it's going to be in a couple of weeks. We might edit that bit out. We might not. Um, but uh, but no, all the best for the World Championships, mate, and all the best for this coming year. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. No, thank you so much. It was no, really good fun. What a legend already. Do check out Cameron's YouTube channel once you've watched all of the Sigma Sports videos, of course. Thanks to Perry Apgwyneth for the podcast theme tune, and thanks to you for listening. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and rate the pod. And why not recommend it to a Poundland lorry driver who might be delighted to hear us discussing the stop value of their load. Finally, a massive thanks again to Cameron for joining us on the podcast today. I hope he puts in a great performance at the Cross World Champs and has a great season beyond that too. Cheers all, stay safe, and goodbye. Thank you.